BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is your host, T. This is your host, Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top 10. Why? Geek Vibes Nation. Geek Vibes Nation. 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 The Top 10. The Top 10. All right. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Top 10 by Geek Vibes Nation. As always, I'm your host, Tia, and I have with me my amazing co-host. How are you doing today, Brittany? I'm sunburnt. That's how I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, Brittany was telling me before we hit record that she blistered and if you don't know what Brittany looks like in real life, she is a pale-ass bitch, and that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> you know what's crazy, though? It's like, I normally don't sunburn, and I always tell people it's because I'm so pale, I reflect the sun, and that's why everybody <laughs> else burns around me. And this one time, I was like, you know what? It's pretty cloudy outside. It's been, like, sprinkling. It'll be fine. I'll put on sunscreen, but I won't reapply a million times. And I went, oh, no, I'm in danger. They said actually that that's where you have to be like really careful because you'll think, oh, it's not that bad because there's clouds in the sky and X, Y, and Z. And actually that's the time that you should be the most careful and reapply because then you end up really freaking burnt. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, um, I, 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 I underestimated the clouds. I, uh, I was, uh, I used big brain moves and they weren't big brain. <laughs> I um we've had a heat wave today in New York. It's been really hot. So it got to sixty degrees. Oh my god. It was like oh, a god. it was a hundred degrees outside. It was really hot and Jesus it's Christ. it's like to the point where you know they do warnings, they say sit inside, don't take your pets out or anything. We like didn't even take lady outside today. Um you know, I, we stayed inside like most of the day, um, which isn't always the best thing for me because I, I do this all the time. Right. And I'll say to Polly, right. I'll go, I have a lot of work to do. And he's like, okay, do your work then. Right. And then what yeah. do I do instead? I go and play GTA. <laughs> Tia, Tia, you have an addiction. You do. I love it. But have you beat GTA 4 yet? So I beat GTA 4. And then I download the two DLCs, which is The Ballad of Gay Tony and then The Lost and the Dam. And I 
beat the Ballad of Gay Tony, and now I'm on the Lost and the Damned. Who would have thought that Billy would be such a great character in it? He's fucking awful, but a great character. So for those who are listening, Billy is a character from the DLC of GTA 4 called The Lost and the Damned, which is essentially, I would say, like a Sons of Anarchy. You know, just think about that. I know. I was, the, the whole time I was like, he reminds me of Ron Perlman. He reminds <laughs> me of Ron Perlman in Sons of Anarchy. Tia, now you got to start watching Sons of Anarchy. You'll love it. It'll give you Billy vibes. You know, it's so funny. Everyone told me that I should watch um, Sons of Anarchy. Just like for years, my cousins would be, you know, telling me that I should be watching Game of Thrones. And it took me forever to start watching Game of Thrones. I finally did. And I'm happy that I did because despite the eighth season being horrific, I really love the series. But so I guess I got to go back and like revisit Sons of Anarchy really do like of all the things i can tell you to actually watch like i never finished it finished it but it's not one of those like like spoiler and i know you don't mind spoilers it's the kind of show that you're like oh man you know the sons of anarchy helped this man find his daughter's rapist but you know, when they hit his body, they made sure that the dad's fingerprints were on the gun so that if they ever needed, like, a favor from the guy, they could be like, well, you killed your daughter's rapist and you see your fingerprints are on the gun because the dude was, like, a politician. And they're like, yeah, we did this great thing. We got rid of your daughter's rapist. But if you ever go against us, we'll frame you for his murder. I will say really quick because, you know, to then get on to the subject of today's top 10. Um, I think I started watching Sons of Anarchy, and we don't have to stay on this for very long, but I did find it a little sexist. <laughs> so, Oh, yeah, because it's a, bi- a biker gang, the fuckers. Yeah, so I'm like, all right, I have if I want to continue watching this and, you know, experience what everyone says is a really great show. I kind of have to get over that. But, you know, me, that's going to be maybe a little difficult for me to get over. So I have to, like, I don't know. I just have to revisit I think it. it. Gets, I think it gets easier when you see, like, the really strong women in it that deal with these motherfuckers. Yeah, I guess so. I have to revisit because everyone talks about how amazing Sons of Anarchy was. And I think I'm missing out. But... Anyway, <laughs> this is not this is not a GTA or a Sons of Anarchy podcast, even though I could probably talk about GTA forever. Um, it really is a problem of mine. But <laughs> our, our top 10 today is the top 10 scariest characters in movies and TV shows. And to um, preference this, it doesn't mean necessarily villains, and it doesn't necessarily mean horror movie characters. Because when I was looking online to see about scary characters, to see other people who have done lists like this, it's always horror movie characters. So I wanted to, I think I have, say, one or two that pop up on, on my list, but I didn't want it to be just a list full of, like, horror movie characters. Oh, I feel that. I know, because it'd be easy to be like, oh, you know, um, I think I have one form of horror film. Uh, the rest are kind of, like, more, like, psychological or anything. Um, I, I'm trying to think what else. They're, uh, yeah, no, I'm the same way about it. I was like, okay, that's just easy at that point. But, like, at that point, it's just we could do top ten scary movies. 
Yeah, exactly. So I wanted to kind of go away from that, honestly. And I already know what one of, like, your characters are going to be. Like, I know it. You don't even know. Honest to God, you actually don't know. Uh, okay, okay. Hann- <laughs> Hannibal's not on my list because he doesn't scare me. Oh, my God. <laughs> he, like, he's, to me, he's not that scary. Like, because, you know, when you grow up with some so I'm like, oh, yeah, he's intimidating. But for my scary list, there's others. Wow. Okay, okay. So, I say let's get right into the list. Uh, You know, of course, before we start off our top 10, we have to give a massive shout out to our friends over at Stranger Damies. Stranger Damies is a D&D podcast from the main Damie family of podcasts. They stream every Wednesday night. You can, of course, find them on Twitter and Instagram at Stranger Damies. Uh, And make sure you're also following the main Damie on Twitter and Instagram. They do several different podcasts on top of their D&D podcast, including They Called This a Movie, which is one of my favorite podcasts where they go through different sort of movies throughout the errors and kind of just break it down in a really hilarious way. I was on an episode uh, where we kind of trashed Wonder Woman 1984, so please make sure you check that out. Um, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> so without further ado, Brittany, why don't you start us off with your number 10? I think I, uh, I'm going to look at my list because I'm like, oh, there's so many. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get, like, my only, like, horror, horror film out of there. And I'm going to go with Jigsaw because the reason I say Jigsaw from the Saw movies is because I've never finished a Saw movie because that shit scares me so bad. Because you take a character, right? that is making it's one thing like to to be a murderer right it's one thing to make it just fucking scary and awful and you're like okay they killed people or they killed them in real fashion it's another maybe like oh you want to live well why don't you rip off all your fingernails and like then have to eat them and then like take off your own foot or you know just like all these things oh and maybe you'll have a chance of living i'm like to me that's just fucked up. I don't want none of that. I don't want any of a character that's like, oh, by the way, you were a bad person for like five seconds in your life. Well, look what I got to do to make you pay for it. Yeah, I ain't fucking with Jigsaw. Yeah, I only ever saw one of the Saw movies, and I believe it was the fourth Saw. Um, and whatchamacallit, it, it, like, as you said, you'd have it where they do such like a minor thing. And then it's like, oh, now you have to pay for it. And it's like, what gives anyone the right to do that? Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the whole premise behind it is that freaking the guy had cancer and he decided that, you know, other people were taking life for granted. And so this is, you know, if they get out alive, then they're going to appreciate life more. And it's like, who gives you the right? Who literally gives you the right? Like just because that's your own personal experience and you've gone to say that uh, you know, epiphany and everything, it doesn't give you any sort of right to do that to anyone else. Yeah. It's terrifying. (laughs) I don't like gore for the sake of gore. Because there's like one where like the I think one lady's like sin was that she was a drug addict and I'm like but yeah, but what? That, that, but why? It was like as like simple one, as that. 
And there's like one where there's like, oh, this guy, like, okay, like the lady had to, they put the key in like a big thing of uh, like used needles. And this one guy was looking at it. And he was like, he was a real dick. And he just grabbed this one girl and just threw her in there and like, go get the key. And I was like, oh, my God. So for someone, I know Jigsaw didn't like throw her in there. That one guy did. But to set it up where it's like, you've got to be seriously just fucked. 2G like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to put a key in the thing that's going to save them into a big pit of uh, used uh, needles. It'll be fun. It'll be great. So, the one that I saw, which was, I believe, again, the fourth one, but freaking the one image that I'll remember always from it is that there was this one where this girl wakes up, and I don't know what her, you know, thing was. It probably was so super minute, right? But she was like, and I guess warning, I'm going to go a little graphic here. Um, She's, like, hooked up to this thing that... In a certain amount of time, right, if she doesn't get this key, it'll literally, like, open up her rib cage, right, and shit like that oh, while she's still alive. No. But, but the key is in literally this, like, mason jar full of acid. So it's like, all right, put your hand in a mason jar full of acid where it's going to completely, oh, like, disintegrate your hand. Or, you know, die because this thing literally is opening up your freaking, like, chest, you know? And what's, crazy, yeah. and what's crazy was she did it. She did get the key in time, even though it, like, completely destroyed her hand. But I think the whole thing with the fourth one is, like, this is when Jigsaw's, like, apprentice was taking over. And it's, like, she wasn't giving anyone any chance to get out of the puzzle. She was just killing them. So it, like, killed her anyway. Oh. Yeah. That's was, messed up. Yeah, it was this big thing with Jigsaw where he was like, you know, I put people through these puzzles, but there's always a way out. But you're not giving them any way out. And it's like, all right, don't virtue signal over here, Jigsaw. You're still right. awful. <laughs> I, uh, I actually enjoyed there's this YouTube series that was about, like, how to survive the like like scary movies but it was all the saw movies and it was like if you'll notice uh if they didn't have to throw that one girl in the needles they could have just done x y or z but because they're shitty people they go okay we're not gonna do it that way we're just gonna throw someone in there yeah i like oh god i can't (laughs) i feel like yeah i think i heard that the saw movies started the thing called gore porn and i'm just so first of all i'm really not a huge horror movie fan especially modern day horror um and so i was never part of the whole gore porn like genre none of it is appealing to me at all i pretty much watched the i pretty much watched the movie through like my hands because i didn't want to watch it yeah (laughs) <laughs> no it was awful that's why i was like this is one of the only characters that like truly just freaking terrifies me <laughs> well i love it you're starting this out super strong um i'm gonna go with number nine and i'm gonna get my horror movie character out of the way and i will say that the version of this character is the remake version of this character because i've actually not seen the original uh of this character and it's going to be pennywise from it oh hell yeah 
And so that's it's, a good one. So it's the 2017 version. It's you know the version played by Bill Skarsgård. Um, and you know, so I've never seen, and I know this is probably like, you know, horror movie purists are probably listening going, oh my God, you've never seen the one with Tim Curry. And it's just, I didn't grow like, I didn't grow up watching it. You know, my parents would have never put it on randomly. I didn't have siblings. So it's like, there was nothing in my childhood that would have had me watch the original and so first of all i did not grow up with a fear of clowns like so many people that i knew i had friends in high school who were petrified of clowns and all attributed to the original it right oh shit but so then paulie and i watched it in 2000 you know the 2017 version and i gotta say like freaking bill skarsgård version of it was scary i wouldn't say it gives me a fear of clowns because i'm an adult while watching it but i you know there were some jump scares he was creepy as hell um i don't know if you've seen it have you seen it Brittany? i you know what's funny is i've not seen the first one but i've seen the second one okay okay did you, um, not, second- did you not have like that there's like little bits of humor that catch you off guard and you're like is this was am i allowed to laugh like what is this? Well, I will. Okay. So um, I think the first one was definitely better than the second one. I preferred it like so much more the first one to the second one. But it, the first one starts essentially with, you know, the little kid, uh, you know, chasing after his little paper boat into a freaking like, uh, you know, storm drain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you're kind of like, oh, this is kind of like, you know, I, I don't know how to feel about it. I'm not really scared, really, at this moment. And then you have, like, Pennywise, who's so, like, humorous and silly and, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden, he, like, chomps the kid's freaking arm off. And it's like, oh, my God. Oh, right? <laughs> I, I found it very unnerving because he could be, like, so playful. But, like, the clown, the clown aspect... Was that his makeup that got me? It was like his twisted movements, like how he's just yeah. so like, like I don't like things that like. You remember as a kid, there would be like those like exorcism, um, movie trailers where the person's like upside down crab walking across the stairs <laughs> and that jerky movement, and you'd be like, "Oh hell no, hell no!" It's that. It's that that jerkiness that I do not like. I will say, so when I was younger, I had a bit of a fear of the dark, as I think most kids do. Yeah. And and so my grandma Jean, right, my grandma on my father's side, she lived in this house where it had stairs to go, obviously, to the second floor, but it was one of the stairs where, you know, it goes up one way and then there's a little platform and then it, you know, goes up, say, another way right it's not just like one singular staircase but they were small stairs it wasn't say very tall but anyway um there were a few times that i obviously slept over and i'd be downstairs in the living room watching tv and she'd be like all right i'm gonna go upstairs to bed you know just come up when you're done watching tv and you shut the tv off and i was always so scared of those But I'm saying this because it reminds me of the same feeling you get when you watch like horror movies with the jerky moments because it's always like the moments where it's a staircase where it's super dark and then suddenly this girl's standing at the top and then suddenly she's doing the backwards crab walk, as you said. And it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. 
you know, and it's like for me, I'm not really like ashamed of it anymore, but like not, I had so much trouble even sleeping in my own bed until I was like, like what, like 12, because I would almost fall asleep. I would even like sleep with all the lights on because I was terrified of the dark too. And I would close my eyes and I would just imagine somebody just crawling around underneath my bed or like watching me from my closet. And that unnerved, scared feel, I would fucking just yeet out of my room. I would fuck, I would yeet out of there like somebody was chasing me. And Mohammed would wake up. She'd be like, what the hell is wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm sleeping with you. And she's like, she's like, you can't be sleeping in the bed anymore. I said, I don't care. I'll sleep on the floor. Just don't leave me alone. <laughs> and I don't know what I thought they were going to do about it. But I don't know what, like, if there really was something that awful, I don't know what they would do about it. But I, I was not. I would like, I'd be like, mom would be like, you can't do this anymore. I'm like, I'm sleeping at the foot of the bed. I will sleep there like a dog. I do not care. Do not make me go back to my room. Yeah, I, like, so when I would sleep over my grandma Jean's home, which I was young because my grandma Jean passed away when I was in seventh grade. So it's like, I would, like, dart up those stairs so quickly into the room and everything because I did not want to even, I don't know, entertain the idea of something being in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> You, you know, you just, you just unlocked, like, uh, a, a hidden memory. You ever, like, lock something away and you just do not remember it? And then you have something to go. I remember, I, I, I too, had such a fear of that, like, you know, what we're talking about. I would be really hard to do sleepovers because I'd get so homesick. And I was super young. I had to be, like, like eight years old, like, eight, nine. And I remember just crying one night because I wanted mom and dad to get me so bad and everybody was asleep. And the girl, um, which we're still really, really good friends with them, her dad was like, what's wrong? And I was like, you know, sobbing. I remember him picking me up and just, like, bringing me over there. And, like, I slept between both of her parents until I woke up. And then she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, it it's fine it's fine i just am a pathetic child i mean it's better than um so really quick when i was younger not that young um like 13 or something like that uh one of so one of the girls that i was friends with growing up um she had like a sleepover and it was you know a bunch of girls over and everything and like i think that was say I don't want to say it was my first sleepover, but it was definitely saying my first sleepover as like a tween. And so to me, it's like, all right, we're going to go to bed at some point. But then while being tweens, they're like, let's play. And her mom, like she uh, had the basement of the house and everything. And so it's like, they were playing music. They were dancing, you know, watching movies, laughing. And I'm like trying to, I'm like the loser who's trying to sleep during like a pop in, you know, sleepover. Oh my God. And then, Hey, hey sleep is uh, underrated. Well, I was going to say, and then this was during the time, you know, when I was younger, when we would go to church every Sunday. So, and we would go to the early mass with, which was like around eight o'clock or something. I like I was falling asleep in the pew because it's like I didn't sleep. So uh, just there's my sleepover story that I remember that I was. I love that. (laughs) I was like, this is what a sleepover is. This is awful. (laughs) 
you know, for a moment, I was like, oh, when I come to New York, we should have a little, like, it's like, have, like, the, the scary movies that night, and I was like, oh, hell no, never mind, I don't want scary movies, like, that's some good <laughs> theory, but I, I don't need anything coming up under, like, the couch or something and trying to get me in my sleep, okay? And I think that is what, so, going back to, like, the list, right, I think that's what the Pennywise thing kind of really touches upon is because it was with kids, you know? And so it always touched upon, say, those like natural fears that you have as a kid. And it always knew, Pennywise always knew how to like take advantage of that. And I wanted to say really quick before we move on, you know how like Pennywise does that thing with his eyes, right? Yes. There's an interview with Bill Skarsgård where he said that before, like, he had gotten the role, but before they started filming, that the producers were saying something like, oh, we're going to need you to have to wear these contacts in some scenes so that we can then, like, digitally, you know, put in, say, your eyes and everything to go to the sides and shit. And Bill Skarsgård was like, oh, I can just naturally do that. He was like, I can just naturally do that. (laughs) So anytime you see that in the It movies, that's him doing it. (laughs) You know what? I thought he was cool, but never mind. He's scary now. Never mind. No, thank you. (laughs) So anyway, uh, number nine is Pennywise. And let's move on. Brittany, what's your number eight? I think I'm going to go. I'm going to go ahead and get this one out of there. And I, I don't really consider this much like horror horror i'm gonna go with buffalo bill from uh silence of the lamp because he scared me more than hannibal okay so that's so funny so because i took a lot of these from Polly before i was like all right help me like figure out some characters and i said i was like what about hannibal lecter and Polly's like i you know he wasn't really that scary and in my head i was thinking buffalo bill was pretty freaking scary so yeah right Right? Is he not? And I'm sorry if I totally took one of yours. He just no, you didn't. scared me so bad. The thought of, like, okay, you know, one, you already have, like, you feel so bad for these women because the cops aren't taking it seriously and the media is kind of mocking it because the women are heavier and because, you know, for that, that's the reason you got the name Buffalo Bill. Well, the thought of him taking someone, putting them in a well, starving them forcing them to moisturize their skin that's the whole you know if it's still on the skin or else it gets the hose again that and that dehumanizing not she not he just it it puts the you know like just taking away their identity from them in that situation is so like terrifying to me because it's like they're not he's not seeing these women as people and you're like okay and then like the fact that he's skinning these women you know, making a bodysuit to wear, so, like, do, like, this metamorphosis so that he can, like, wear their skin and become what he wants to be, and then just, like, the whole, just his movement is scary, The, the fact that, like, there's something unnerving about him. Like, there's some villains you're like, oh, they're really, like, charismatic, or, oh, they're really scary, but he unnerved me like i remember the part where you know he's after clarice and he like like has the night vision goggles on and he like br- gently brushes her hair in the dark it freaks me out every time and it's just like hannibal doesn't get me he gets me he terrifies me 
Buffalo Bill is definitely terrifying because when I watched it with you, I, as you said, it's that dehumanizing aspect. And so not that he's, he's not a cannibal, right? But I'm just going to use that. No, as, no, yeah, yeah. I'm just using that as an example. Anything with cannibals, like, freak me out because it's like they don't see you as actual people. So it's yeah. the idea that he didn't see these women as people. Uh, just, you know, something to then do horrible, horrible things to. And, I, oh, God, that's so freaky because it's like, you know, luckily, because that girl gets, you know, away, right, in the end? Yeah, yeah. Because it's been a long time since I've seen it. But it's like, okay, that girl gets away, and it's like, yay, good. But there are other girls who didn't get away, and that's like, yes. oh, God. You try and put yourself in that position, you're like, that's the most terrifying thing ever. Okay. Well, I know what really gets me out of it, too, is like, okay, so they're going to be in the well, but then you think of the fact that he starved them because you know he wanted that that skin to be loosened so that he could take the skin cutouts it's like that part grosses me out that part gets me because i'm just like oh it's just messed up in the way like when he's making the skin suit he's like stroking it in the uh would you fuck me i'd fuck me (laughs) that that whole that still makes me laugh though but like in a fucked up way because of uh clerks i was gonna say the only reason why it makes me laugh is so because i saw clerks too way like before i ever saw silence of the Lambs. And so it's like when he did it, it's like I know it's supposed to be a scary moment, but all I was thinking about is Jay from Clerks going, Would you fuck me? I'd fuck you. Right? <laughs> How do you guys trench coat open? So it's like, okay, I know that scene was supposed to be scary, but all I thought about was Clerks too. But yeah, Buffaloville is so freaking terrifying. He just like, as, like, imagine, like, I watched that as a child. And me just sitting go- there going, man, this is the most terrifying shit I've ever seen. <laughs> Hannibal seems smiled to this, even though, you know, as an adult, you realize how actually scary he is because he's so freaking smart. And you're just like, this is awful. Never mind. So that's why it's like, I sat there and I was like, I could do Hannibal. I was like, I could do it. And I was like, and I could keep the joke going. But I sat there and I was like, Hannibal's scary in the sense of being so like, oh, if you get on his bad side, like nothing would be able to stop him from killing you because it's like he ripped the face off of a nurse, you know, that uh, that crossed him. You know, it's like that that fear that what if you did insult him like but for me i'm also like i am crazy attracted to this man and i uh, do not fear him well to be fair though silence of the lambs in some sort of capacity did end up on the list so the joke has been continued (laughs) yes it has been continued in the most honest way possible but yeah, Buffalo Bill is certainly terrifying, very scary, deserves to be on this list. So great number eight. Um, you inspired me. Uh, speaking about, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> speaking about cannibals, I'm going to put Gareth from The Walking yes! Dead. Yes! <laughs> oh, so she started talking about cannibals, I was like, wait a second here. So, as I just said, cannibals fucking terrify me. Any movie, TV show, video game that has a cannibal in it, it freaks me out. So, you have The Walking Dead, right? Obviously, it's 
it's a pretty scary show in general, right? Because there's zombies everywhere. And we did see in the, like, what, third season, right, with the governor, that um, people could be equally as terrifying. I never, though, found the governor scary, just more mostly like an asshole, right? But yeah. when they introduced the Terminus people in season four, that was scary, especially the first episode with them. Oh, my God. Right. Like that, again, warning, very graphic. Right. When they're all in front of that bathtub and they are like knocking the people out and then slitting their throats and shit like that. And then when you discover that they're doing it because they're going to literally like butcher them as if they are actual cattle is fucking terrifying and gareth who just like treats all of it as if it is just another day on the job is so scary can't go back bob can't go back but oh god poor bob <laughs> poor bob <laughs> um i will say really quick i don't know if you remember Brittany, but like a year ago we did a top 10 with another one of our amazing geek vibes nation uh members dom who by the way has been i love dom we love dom and he's been killing it with you know interviews and reviews and shit like that and he's a massive walking dead fan so we had him on I think about a year ago to do the top 10 moments from the walking dead. And we definitely put the, the Bob scene because it was like the coolest way someone could die. I will say. Right. I like legitimately got the final laugh. Yeah, no. And for those who uh, maybe never watched the show and don't know what we're talking about, uh, as I said, these people, called the terminus people because that's where they were located the cannibals um at some point rick who's you know was the main guy of the time uh his group ends up being able to destroy the terminus place and escape right but there's a few terminus people left such as gareth well they get one of rick's people bob and bob literally wakes up to his leg cut off and the Terminus people eating him and they're all smug about it and shit like that. Right. And Bob literally starts laughing and you're like, why is he laughing? He literally just woke up to seeing his like leg over a spitfire and he shows his shoulder has clearly been bit by a walker and him like, you're eating tainted meat. And they all start like spitting it out. (laughs) I always wonder, did it, did it ever turn them? I do not remember. I don't think they were alive enough for us to turn them or not. We never saw it because, you know, Gareth was like, oh, well, we cooked it. It's fine. But we never saw it because the show freaking killed them off within like two seconds. I will say that is like the one thing that I always hold a grudge against the freaking Walking Dead is that they just killed off people too quickly. There was so much potential at the Terminus people, but they were scary. All right, they were scary as hell, just, again, for the fact alone that they were cannibals and the fact that the main character, Gareth, was so calm about everything. It's just, it's that scariness, as we said. They have his notebook. They don't look at you as if you're people. You're just food. 
No, that that definitely is true because you're like, if once somebody crosses that barrier, how do they go about, you know, and, and it's like for different cases, like say, uh, I think it was the, the football team that are, you know, or as America says, soccer team that uh, crashed in the mountain and they ended up having to resort uh, to cannibalism of like, you know, pet, not that they killed anybody, but of passed away people and like the regret and the how bad they felt about having to do that but then you take someone like gareth who's who who has accepted it who has no remorse who has no guilt over it and i think once you pass that kind of like mental barrier there's no going back because how do you choose what you keep and don't keep you know it's like at that point if they get attached to you or you they the same way a farmer gets attached to their cattle you know it's like it's just messed up it's like what do they ever truly see you as a person at that point and even in their own group if somebody got weak well you know what that makes a good point there was a uh i think there the, even somewhere touched on that the one with uh oh michael e- eckland i think the one where they call him father Didn't oh the they, movie like, they can't Sorry, go ahead. No, no, what were you saying? It, it was the movie called The Day, I believe. Yeah, and I think, like, there was, like, a group of cannibals, and it's, like, but if you got too weak to do anything, they were, like, well, we gotta eat you. Yeah, they, and never, it's like, they never touched upon that in The Walking Dead, because, again, they were literally around for, like, two episodes, which was so unfortunate. But such a workup to it, and such a letdown. Yeah, such a letdown. Um, Gareth could have been, like, one of the best... I still think of him as one of the best villains, but he could have really been one of the best villains if kept around long enough. Um, So, yeah, definitely Gareth, uh, the Terminus people of The Walking Dead, make my list of top scariest characters. Um, Oh, definitely. (laughs) But let's move on. Brittany, what's your number six? Well, I was going to say this so higher, but it's kind of hard to beat the whole cannibalism. I, w- I was going to go with Negan. Oh, Negan oh, was scary. Definitely he scary. was scary. I, w- I will say he was scarier at the beginning. But did you not just feel absolutely terrified? Like, feel- like that scene is iconic. Where, it, like, even uh, Dave Chappelle made fun of it. Like, not well, parried. Parried? 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 I don't. Have, why can I not say parody? But like the the past tense of parody. But um, when he did that of that scene, because them all grouped around, it's like the way they got hounded in, the way the whistling, the grouping them up, and Negan just like because you had all this talk about oh Negan, you know we're Negan, we're Negan, and then all this stuff, and then suddenly oh he steps out, and you're like okay. It's Jeffrey D. Morgan. He's good looking. He's got the bandana. His hair sleeved back. He has the leather jacket. And he's, you're like, oh, okay. He, he's hot. He can't be scary. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to be scary. It's, like, it's how he's so, I, I, I wouldn't say charismatic. He's almost jovial about walking up on them. Like, oh, you know, what's up? You know, we're here. This is happening. I'm going to kill one of your people, which is pretty fair because he's like, what do you say? Uh, He's like, you killed my people, and when I sent people, you killed 
more of my people and so it's like they said I want fair and it's like that no hesitation because you know we had first where you know Abraham died and you're like okay okay that that was the one because they left it on a cliffhanger and then freaking Daryl had to just get up he had to let his anger and I don't don't truly blame him but I'm just saying he had to get up and then Glenn, like, it was, like, immediate. There was no hesitation. And I think that's what scares me about him is that he's a man of his word. Is there's, yeah, sometimes there's a villain. They'll, like, let you cross them, like, once or twice. Like, okay, you know, you, you get these two. But next time, he was like, nope, there's not even one chance. You cross me, this is it. And, um, you know, he had, he had Rick try to, to cut off Carl's hand just to see if he would do it, just to reduce him to tears, or you know, throwing the axe into a group of walkers and saying, you know, bring my hatchet back, or else I'm going to kill everyone. You know, it's just like it was just kept getting worse, and I was like, but, 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 but it can't get worse. Or like, um, oh, what was it? Was it not creepy when he had Carl sing? You know, like, oh, what did your mom sing to you? Like, and he's just starting singing You Are My Sunshine. Or was it like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star? Something like that. I It was completely unnerving. Um, yeah, I will say that the freaking introduction episode to Negan was like torture to me. <laughs> oh, I know. It's such good you love Dave. But not just that. As you said, the whole entire episode is this, like, really unnerving episode. It's quiet sometimes. You don't know what's happening. You're, you're, it's the true definition of on the edge of your seat because you're sitting there, you know, who, who is this Negan? You know, how far is he willing to take it, right? And it's this showmanship of, like, what he's willing to do. And then it's like, as you said, he kills Abraham first in such a horrific manner. You're like, oh, my God. And everyone's watching. And then he kills Glenn. And it's like, oh, my God. And then he tries to get, I know I'm repeating what you said, but it's I'm going no, through I love it. it. And then tries to get Rick to cut off his own son's arm. I mean, just that, like. And he's not phased once by it. He's having way too good of a time during this. Hey, have you seen the thing where uh, on TikTok where it's like, put on, step on the gas, step on the, you know, it's like, step on the brakes. That's how I, that's how I felt that episode. I was like, it's like, let's see how far we can get. It's like, step on the gas, step on the brakes. Like, cause I'm like, it just takes off. And you're like, okay, nothing else could happen in this episode. Oh, there's more? Oh, oh, there's more? Oh, there's a hand? Oh, there's, you know, Abe, that is glint. It's like, how much can you jam pack into this episode? And they're like, would you like to see hold my beer um that's hold my beer no it was terrifying negan when he first came on the scene was really scary i really thought that carl was going to die the day that he escaped into the factory and then as you said it was so unnerving with negan you know making him freaking sing you know just like drawing out this torture essentially um, He's a master of psychological warfare. 100%. 100%. Because you know that there were so many times that he even got underneath, like, Rick's skin. Um, 
freaking definitely like uh, the same thing with like the like getting him to the point of lifting the hatchet to cut off Carl's hand uh, and it's also such a to me an iconic scene when Negan's like Simon you got a pen and it's like <laughs> because he's gonna use it to draw where Rick needs to cut uh, you know what he's talking about? It's like, oh, you know, every leader needs, like, a good right-hand man, like Simon. And you're like, Simon's a pretty scary dude. Simon is a pretty scary dude. <laughs> well, as we found out as the show went on, Simon was even worse than Negan. Um, oh, definitely. But Negan certainly... I don't think he's like that anymore. I will be fully honest in saying that I stopped watching The Walking Dead after season seven. Um, But I know that Negan has kind of like almost settled into this role of, say, more of an anti-hero as opposed to a villain. Um, He got declawed. He got declawed. But when Negan first stepped onto the scene, he was terrifying. So 100% Negan deserves to be on this list. Uh, we got our two Walking Dead characters here. I'm going to go to number five. Let me just look at my list. Mm. All right, so I'm going to put this character down. And I wouldn't say that he was always so scary um, because there were some times that he was so, like, uh, classy. But even in then, I felt that he was quite scary. And I'm putting Wilson Fisk from the Daredevil series oh, down. Oh, yes. Yeah. Because, first of all, Wilson Fisk, brilliantly played by Vincent D'Onofrio, um, you know, when you first meet him, because the whole thing, right, you, you, you don't hear about him. When everyone's like, you don't say his name. You know, there's like these two Russian guys who are like, you don't say his name, Right. Um, and you first see him and it's like his first scene, he's, he's looking at art in an art gallery and you're like, okay, this is a very, uh, classy person and reserved and everything. And I think the first scene in the first season of Daredevil that you get an idea of how truly scary he is, is when he's taking out this woman, Vanessa, and one of the Russian guys interrupts his dinner to take, you know, to bring up some sort of grievance. And he won't leave Wilson Fisk alone. And this is, again, during a time he's trying to impress Vanessa. Vanessa doesn't know that he's, you know, this criminal uh, leader and all that, right? And he literally takes the guy to his car, makes it seem as if he's going to hear out his grievances, and literally decapitates the dude with his car door so it's so so it's not a a, you know right away thing he's like with all fury just like continuously slamming that freaking car door onto his head until you like hear the thud of the dude's head and you're like oh that was really messed up and so that was terrifying like, the whole thing was terrible. Wilson Fisk killed so many people in the first season. You're like, where's he going and all that, you know? Um, and I'm just going to go through, like, the parts, like, 
throughout each season, which I thought was the most terrifying of Wilson Fisk, because we could probably spend the whole episode talking about the intricacies of this character, and I also want to get your opinions as well. So the two other scenes that I'll mention really quick is in the second season of Daredevil. I'm not going to say spoiler alert because the, you know, the show was canceled a couple of years ago and shit like that. So you can go watch on Netflix. So the second season of Daredevil, Wilson Fisk is in prison and Matt Murdock goes to visit Wilson Fisk to get some dirt and everything. And, um, you know, Matt Murdock thinks that he has like an upper hand on Wilson Fisk because he knows that his beloved Vanessa is out of the country and he's like oh well I'll use every legal loophole to get her here and make sure that she's you know imprisoned for colluding with you blah blah and Wilson uh. and at this point Wilson Fisk has completely like taken control of the prison so he's not even handcuffed so he just takes Matt Murdock grabs him over the table and he's like I will use he goes, I will spend more than just $5 on a postcard to bury your freaking firm. He's like, and I will go after you and I will go after your, your partner, Foggy. And, and, you know, Matt's like, no, no, Matt's like, no, no, it was just me who did it. He goes, no, 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 no. It was also your friend. So I'm going to bring him down. He's like, and you, you know, like just, and then he just starts like slamming Matt on the freaking table and like none what of the- did he expect though for Fist to be like oh I guess you know he's like I yeah you can ruin my life but I could destroy everything you love yeah cause Matt Murdock was like oh it all, it'll just you know cost like five dollars for a post stamp and Wilson Fist like I will spend more than five dollars to bring down everything around you and it's like and the scary thing about that scene is I think Matt well, first of all, Matt thought that he was handcuffed, right? He thought that the guards would do something, and him realizing that Wilson Fisk has taken complete control over the prison. Um, and the last scene I wanted to talk about, which I thought made Wilson Fisk so scary, is in season three. Um, Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. And it's the moment that I have waited for, like, as a fan of the show since season one. So really quick recap. In season one, uh, Karen... The only good Karen, by the way, uh, <laughs> uh, Karen ends up killing uh, Wilson Fisk's right hand man, Wesley. Right. And, you know, Wilson Fisk really cared about Wesley. And it's been this mystery this whole entire time. So then in the frickin third season, um, 
Karen has this like standoff with Wilson Fisk where she's like, I killed Wesley. And you see him just like getting so angry on the other side of the like table. And she's just like looking at him as if she has no fear. But then he like gets up, you know, and again, like Vincent D'Onofrio is like six foot five. He's this like massive dude and shit. And he's just so angry. And I'm like, oh my God, he's going to kill Karen. And it's like, it was just so intense and so terrifying. So, yeah, I know I, like, rambled on forever there, but Wilson Fisk was one scary motherfucker. I I loved him. When you were like, oh, Obert, you're going to love Wilson. You're going to love Wilson Fisk. I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And you're like, Brittany, you'll be attracted to him. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no. Five seconds. In, oh, no, I'm in danger. Because Tia knows I, I very much have a thing for villains, and my thing with the villains is if they have a moment where they love someone more than they love anyone else in this entire world, I'm like, I'm all over it. Please, let me have it. So, yeah, I, I loved him. Whenever you first showed me, I was like, oh, he's kind of scary. But because you almost, like, when he has those soft moments, you're almost, like, tricked into believing he could be a sort of, like, softy, like, be a little bit of a pushover. And you're like, oh, no, uh, he's put, uh, like, you know, people are like, don't mistake my kindness for weakness. That's him to a T. He is one just massive scary dude. And when he's like, and you're like, Brittany, he decapitates somebody with a door. And I'm like, well, that scene can't be too bad. And then I watched it when I was in New York. That last time I was like, oh, oh, it is that bad. And the oh, fact no. that, like, what made Wilson Fist so scary is, like, again, he's this big, imposing dude. But it's just how smart he was. Because especially in season three, as the season unravels, you realize that he has literally thought everything through and he is literally five steps ahead of every other person. And it's just so amazing to watch. But, you know, so when the Netflix Marvel shows were out, this was kind of before Thanos was the thing, really, in the MCU. And I remember everyone saying, like, oh, the MCU has a villain problem. And, like, Granted, the movies do, but I'm like, you guys got to watch, like, the Netflix ones because you got Wilson Fisk, Kilgrave, like, you have Billy Russo, like, you have all these great freaking villains just sitting there in the Marvel Netflix universe just, like, not being appreciated enough. (laughs) Oh, I know, and I'm like, the the shows definitely don't have a problem with it because I I think between, uh, you know, like, Finn scared the crap out of me, the Irish dude. Oh, yeah. And he was in it for five seconds. I was like, oh, my God. You could have made a whole series just around this fucking dude. It was definitely, like, scary. They were all crazy. Again, Kilgrave. But, um, you know, we talk about wanting the Netflix characters to be carried over into the movie universe. I mean, it would be such a shame not to bring Vincent D'Onofrio back as Wilson Fisk. Can you imagine his character with Tom Holland's Spider-Man? Because that's the thing. Wilson Fisk in the comics (sighs) traditionally is a Spider-Man villain, not a Daredevil villain. So it's like, can you imagine that Vincent D'Onofrio against, like, nice little Tom Holland? Oh, my God. (laughs) 
he's the type that's like, oh, you need money? Well, I'll help you with money if you do this. Like, he'd be very, like, very convincing with that. No, I'm pretty sure I don't think Spider-Man is, like, the type to take those. Because, you know, like, in the other movies, he'd be the type that's like, yeah, I'm going to take odd jobs for money. I really got to take care of Aunt May. This one's like, I have Tony Stark's money now. I was in his will, probably. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, like one hundred percent, he was definitely in Tony Stark's will. Like, if you saw, right? If you saw Spider-Man: Far From Home, that Peter Parker is not wanting for anything. He, he's good. He's got shit. You know what? <laughs> Never mind. He wouldn't have been in the will just for the sake of he. Everybody thought he was dead. He doesn't have to wait. Oh, <laughs> it's hard to will somebody something when they're dead. Don't just don't. Just don't. No. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. I love Wilson Fisk. But anyway, Wilson Fisk is my number five. Brittany, let's go on to the number four. This was already on my list, Tia, and I'm sorry. I don't want to take it from you. You won't. But are you okay with it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know I'm what it do- is. I'm going to do the Punisher. Yes. He he wasn't on my list, so you're good. Okay, awesome. Because I'm telling you, there's not many times I'm like, okay, you know, because you think sometimes with Netflix, you know, they do get away with more stuff. But the pure brutality that came from the Punisher for him to roll in. He came in, he came in like a, like a, what what am I thinking of? Like Like a wrecking ball? Oh, a wrecking ball. There we go. (laughs) Thank you. I don't know I can think of it. I was like, cannibal? Oh, I I thought you were doing a bit. I thought you were doing a bit, and I was like, is she serious right now? (laughs) I mean, yeah, I was doing a bit. Thank you for catching up on it, Tia. Uh, (laughs) But, no, when we, when you first was like, Brittany, you need to see the Punisher in it. And I was like, but isn't this the narrative? And you're like, no, 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 Brittany. Brittany, Brittany. This is Punisher season one. Because the part when he rolls in, because you see just this, like, he's leaving all this destruction in his wake, all these dead bodies. People hung up on freaking hooks, Tia. Hooks. Like, like human, like, meat, like, hangers. It's just awful. And you're like, Okay, who could have done that? And I knew by that point that, you know, you said, you know, the Punisher did all these things. But even, like, watching it for the first time with you when I was in New York, I just looked at it and I was like, he really hung these people on hooks? And when it's like, who, who, uh, like, who are they? And it's like, no, they, him. I was like, it gives me chills every time. Sometimes I go on YouTube and rewatch that scene. And then it is the instant shot to, you know, Frank Castle walking down the hospital and you're like, oh no, oh no, he's going after the guy. And you really feel like Karen is in trouble in that moment. And oh, you're I like, 100% thought, I was like, oh my God, he's going to kill her. I know. When he's like, oh, if I want to get Jared put I'm like, you got really close though. I mean, I know you're highly trained, but accidents happen. You know, we, we learn gun safety. Uh, you're not supposed to just fire and forge people. And it's like, no, but when all those parts or the part where you know, he's with uh, the Daredevil and they're up on the roof and like just knowing that this is a man that has completely lost everything and has nothing left to lose except for to get his revenge, you're like, okay, I understand. You know, there would be no stopping you. You're kind of the most terrifying person I have ever met in my entire life. 
but uh, I just really enjoyed those parts. And even though, like, you do see him soften throughout the series, you know, and then into Punisher season one and two, um, he's still terrifying. He does not lose an ounce of his brutality. No, not at all, because there are scenes, I believe, in the first season of Punisher where it's like he's in the dark hunting people, practically, and it's like he literally is a boogeyman in the night. Um, what he did to Billy Russo's face, just slamming him into uh, the glass. That scene is hard. The one, the the scene with Finn is hard to watch. Where he, you're like, you're like Brittany, you know, this seems a little hard to watch. I may look away, and I was like, oh, I can't be too bad. And then just the dude's face exploding, and you're like, because you don't okay, expect it because it's like, okay, yeah, it's on Netflix, but it's still a Marvel show, right? So it's not going to be that bad. And then it's like, oh wow, he just literally took a shotgun to the face. Um, it was freaking, I, I keep, I always recall this story, but I can't help it because just like you, that scene gives me chills where it's like, I never really knew the Punisher before seeing John Bernthal's version, right? It's like, you kind of know what the character is because maybe you've heard of him before and there has been other versions, but it's like. I knew that they were bringing in the Punisher for season two at Daredevil. And I'm like, okay, I know that this is a character that, say, means a lot to people. So, And they're making a really big deal about it. So I'm really interested in it. But then you still kind of don't realize that it's just him doing everything. So when you have that scene of the guy who's dying and Matt Murdock's like, you know, who are they? Who did all this? And the guy's like, it's not an army it's just one freaking person and you really are terrified as like frank castle because you at least for me it's like i don't know this character i don't know what his morals are i don't know that he's not you know there to shoot up everyone in the hospital you don't realize that he was doing you don't realize until you know the character that he was being loud on purpose to get that one guy grotto out you know from hiding it's like you don't realize that um so it's really interesting and if anyone hears my cat is like freaking out right now because he's fat and he's like wanting more dry food um so if you hear that i apologize but um whatchamacallit's it uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was like the moment you start saying here wow i was like yeah, oh, she's it's, serious. Yeah, it's it's freaking Eden. He's fat. Um, but oh my god. <laughs> yeah, no, the Punisher is definitely terrifying. I thought that he was going to kill Matt at some points. I thought he was going to kill Karen at some points. Like every single time, I'm like, he's killing someone. I mean, he he was, but he's terrifying because you, Frank Castle, even though falls into the category of antihero, definitely is one of those people that when he is focused on something and he has it in his mind that you're a you're a bad person you need to die then you're dead like there is nothing that you can do to stop that like there's literally nothing and he will go up against an entire group of people and just mow through them the best scene is him and freaking Wilson Fisk having a freaking like standoff with each other. It's so good. Frank Castle is a scary motherfucker. Sometimes I think that they don't bring him into the MCU because they're like, ooh, this guy's too scary for us. <laughs> we still need to market to children. <laughs> 
I just want Peter Parker to meet uh to meet Frank Castle. I don't know why I feel like I would love it because he'd be so upbeat and just Frank Castle like please stop talking. Well, okay, like so, so that's another thing is that Frank Castle when he was first introduced in the comics was a Spider Man villain. He then became an antihero, but he his first issue is him like hunting down Peter Parker. Why was he hunting Peter Parker? I mean, I don't know the full thing. I'm sure, like, more savvy comic book people can, you know, tell me. But I remember reading in the Wikipedia that he originated as a Spider-Man villain. So, you know. You know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love I, it. I'm not complaining. I love it. I love The Punisher. I love Frank Castle. John Bernthal as Frank Castle. It's just, mwah, chef's kiss. Um, it's just used. It. <laughs> So, I don't know if you remember, but we all thought that the Marvel Netflix universe was thriving. Um, And I remember they first canceled Iron Fist, right? And you're like, all right, that makes sense. Even though season two was a lot better than season one, it still is kind of the least well-received show. So, that makes sense, you know? And then they canceled Luke Cage, and it's like, whoa, that's weird, because season one, like, literally broke Netflix, you know? And season two is great, and and left off on a massive cliffhanger. You're like, okay, maybe they're just trying to consolidate, or maybe they're making a new show, right? And then Daredevil season three came out with, like, stellar reviews. Like, people were like, it is the best thing. Like, this is, you know art and storytelling at its finest you're like whoa we're definitely getting a season four no way are they canceling and then they cancel that and you're like oh they're just getting rid of all of them you know so by the time oh and you knew the punisher was coming so you knew the punisher was coming so it's like i was more ready for it i was just like just announced it already but i will say that when they announced it i Still was like, oh god, you couldn't just have kept it. Like you couldn't just have kept the Punisher. <laughs> I know. Whenever they did it, and then like you couldn't even be excited for Jessica Jones because they canceled Jessica Jones before the season mm-hmm. even came out. So can I tell you that I've actually never seen Jessica Jones season three? It's the only one I've not watched, and I will oh, say, baby girl. Part of it is because I couldn't even get excited for it. But another part of it was that I really didn't like season two of Jessica Jones. So I just couldn't get excited for season three. But I heard season three was really good as well as um, a really nice send off for the character. Because I think at that point they probably knew. Um, I don't know. I feel like the Punisher and Jessica Jones had a feeling that they weren't getting renewed because both... Well, at least for the Punisher season two, it ended where it was like a nice conclusion. If they wanted to continue it, obviously the story is there, but it was not same thing. You know, what? honestly, though, same thing with Daredevil season three. Like, obviously, I wanted more, but the way they ended, I'm like, you know what? I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy with this conclusion. Yeah. You know? Like, because it was the end with the. It was. Like, fi- was- the end of Daredevil season three was literally finally Matt, Foggy, and Karen becoming friends again and all agreeing to start back up um, Nelson and Murdoch. And I was like, that's all I wanted. 
Like that's all yeah, that's literally I wanted. You wanted. That was all you needed. <laughs> well, because remember in season two of Daredevil, Matt was being an asshole because he was back with Electra and literally pushed away both Foggy and Karen and their law firm literally like disintegrated. And then Matt was being a little bitch in the defenders and then being a little bitch in like most of season three of Daredevil. So when finally it was like him like realizing that these are his friends whom he loves, it's like, okay. And then finally at the conclusion when they are all sitting around and it's like, let's start back up the law firm. I'm like, that's all I need. I'm good with this. It's fine. <laughs> all I'm having is like water boy advice where it's like all women are the devil. And it's like, because freaking Electra was the reason he started going so bad again. It really was. It really was. Like Electra was literally the worst. I'm sorry. Oh. People liked her. I didn't. I'm like, she literally made it where matt was an idiot and matt was a smart guy and he became an idiot around her <laughs> yeah, there was like there one of the guys at work he said something it's like a fucking hate like oh he said uh he said, he said some like a fucking hate electra and then the next day was like i would bang electra and i said i thought you hated her and he goes yeah but she's still hot okay oh my God. that I was thought, matt, matt that was that was matt murdoch's like whole entire thing <laughs> throughout he's like i dislike her but <laughs> i know i looked at him i was like but really and he's like what can i say what can i say hate fuck Oh my god. But yeah, The Punisher 100% deserves to be on this list of scary characters. I'm going to get number three. Um, and I'm going to do Bane. I'm going to do Bane. Oh, well, we're on like the same brain frequency today, Tia. Holy shit. <laughs> I'm doing Bane from The Dark Knight Rises, Tom Hardy. Bane was scary. Bane was. He was. And not like don't get it wrong, like, Heath Ledger's Joker was also equally as scary. I just think that, first of all, The Dark Knight Rises doesn't get enough love, which I think it's a really great movie. I hate that people dislike it. Um, But to me, Bane was terrifying because, at least with the Joker, he's scary because he is so chaotic. But he almost becomes, say predictable in his chaos but also bendable because of his chaos but bane was like an idealist and he he's had as this, smart as he is strong he's as smart as he is strong but he's also a radicalist and radicalists are scary you know and his whole thing where he could be so coy and playful but also incredibly destructive um we always talk about the scene in the football arena where you know he's commenting on the beautiful voice that the young boy who's singing the national anthem has and literally right in that moment is when he decides to like bomb the thing and create a crater in the freaking football field and then remember snaps the doctor's neck the only one who would have the ability diffuse this like bomb and everything like that he was scary i'm sorry he broke the bat he did break the bat because to see where the bat 
was basically he was only beaten by the fact that Bane did not kill him when he had the chance. He he was done in by his own hubris of like, oh we'll let him suffer, you know, suffer where he himself was, you know, raised. And I think also by the way, I had a moment because I was a little bit younger whenever that movie came out. I sat there and I was like the boy got out, right? The little boy? I mean, because, I mean, he was, like, right in the middle of the football field. I mean, there's no way he got out. Oh, but they didn't show it. But <laughs> my brain yeah. was like, please let the kid live. Yeah, I, yeah. I was I was having such a moment. And I was like, oh, but that beginning scene to you, the beginning with the plane, and he's like, they'll be expecting a, bo- a body. And oh. it's like, or, like, they'll be expecting an extra, something like that, where he's talking about, like, they're, they, we got to have your body here. Well, because, okay, so you know how, like, you said when you were, you were younger when you saw it, and so your mind said, oh, you know, hopefully the young boy made it out alive. Um, I was, I mean, I was 22 when I saw it, but still, I think when I first saw it, I wasn't realizing that what he meant was, you know, there has to be someone who's dead in the crash, because I'm like, why is he telling this guy to just, like, stop climbing and you're like oh shit but then the guy was just like yes you're right and it's like what and it's just that crazy ideology it's like that crazy ideology and shit like that and the fact that bane could just simply suggest that like there needs to be a body so it needs to be yours and it's like he's telling you that you need to die and the guy's like you're right and it's like what I think what terrifies me the most about this, like, you know, it's like, I love history, right? I'm a big history buff. I'm, mm-hmm. And, you know, you have dialectical uh, materialism, which I always get to come, I'm like, I'm a history buff, but is it dialect materialism? Di- I think it's dialectical materialism. It's like, tear down the old order to create the new order. But, you know, the whole thing is like, oh, you know, we had this whole, like, philosophical question, like, what are more, what is, uh, what are morals? What is our uh, morality on things? And I was like, well, Everybody has different morals because, like, they're over there going, yeah, this makes perfect sense. We should do all this awful shit because this is the best thing we can do. And that terrifies me because how can you convince someone that, like, their morals are bad if they believe that that's their morals? And so that's for me with Bane. I'm like, you're terrifying for that exact reason because you fully believe you are doing the right thing. And what's also terrifying, and I'll give an example as to why Bane, at least in the, in the Christopher Nolan movie verse, right? Why Bane is scarier than the Joker. Remember in The Dark Knight when the Joker has it that he, you know, put two bombs on each of the boat, but he gave the remote on the other boat. So it was pretty much like the other boat's, you know, decision as to whether or not they choose to blow up an entire boat of people right and you and you see that both boats of people decide not to pull the trigger on either thus kind of showing that there's still humanity amongst gotham so the joker did not accomplish his mission of descending gotham into chaos but what did bane accomplish 
he accomplished literally making Gotham a lawless place where literally the rich were pushed out of their homes. You have the scarecrow having a makeshift court, which just literally just sentenced people to death, you know, on the icy water. No one's like having any sort of like morality anymore. It's like Bane accomplished exactly what the Joker was trying to. And it's like, that's fucking scary. <laughs> Oh, I know. No, I completely agree because there's so many parts in that. I'm like, Ben kind of did exactly what he said he was going to do, and he did it. And literally, his only flaw was not killing the bat when he had the chance. His only flaw, besides not killing um, Batman, was also being in love with Talia Al Ghul because she did him dirty. Oh, gag. Gag. <laughs> Talia Al Ghul is on the same level as Electra. It's like you're both awful. <laughs> Go away. I know. I, and there's some people that are like, oh, if you don't like her, you don't like strong women. It's like, no, no, no. I like strong women. I just don't like her. Yeah. <laughs> her. I don't like her face. Not not in the face like that. But you get me. I don't like her. Well, her condescending smug, right? Like, yes. Once it, like once it was revealed who she really was, I'm like, I don't like you. <laughs> and it was just like oh you did this to my father and even though i didn't really love my father but though you did this to my father i have to do this thing it's like <sighs> yeah that okay. was some, that was something that didn't really make sense because it was it was even discovered in the movie that Ra's al ghul um like exiled bane so it was weird that Bane was carrying out the thing that Ra's al Ghul tried to do in the first movie, even though he was the same man who exiled him. And Talia al Ghul didn't like her father for the reason that she was, you know, seemingly in love with Bane. It's like, what? <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> what? But yeah, so Bane is my number three. He is scary. Tom Hardy did a phenomenal job, but just, just like Wilson Fisk, big and imposing but also incredibly intelligent and that is such a dangerous combination so yeah bane number three Brittany, we're down to the bottom two this is your last one let us know what did you say for this spot you know originally originally well i kind of still want i actually had the joker Yes, we are in a wavelength. You know, we did two Walking Dead, that, mm-hmm. and that was already on our list. We did two Walking Dead, two of the Batman's, and two of like the Marvel TV shows. And that's why I was like, we're doing the same but different. <laughs> and the Joker scared me because I, and this is going to sound odd, but you go get what I mean. He gives me like those shooter vibes. Like he's just so unhinged Mm -hmm. and just wants to see the madness and destruction and you know the joker you know didn't really scare me as a kid watching like say batman the animated series like he was scary and messed up but you liked him he was cool he was funny you know he was like he He, was awful he was entertaining especially with yes he was entertaining this joker scared the shit out of me like he's like the licking the lips part. The uh, I, I, I'm gonna move very twitchy, and I'm like I'm breathing. Talk, I'm like Ugh. It, it's like the the jerky movements of uh, of another clown we spoke of. Anyways, <laughs> it's that jerky movement that 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 very like very slippery creepiness because it's like with Bane, 
you know, Thane, because I'm just going like back and forth, just the comparison, you know, Thane does have the, I feel like he has humanity, but he doesn't have humanity, right? Like there, there, there's the, uh, the thought process. There's like, oh, we got to do things the exact way. The Joker just wanted chaos. There was no belief behind it. There was no like radicalism. It was just like, I just want to cause chaos and to me that's very intimidating like because i'm like okay but that i will say on the radicalism that's what scares me the most about bane because it's kind of like okay you kind of have a direction you're going the joker was just like "Mm, chaos you know throw some confetti chaos Chaos. um chaos but um i don't know he just it's the makeup it was the scar like him actually having the scars cut into his face you know because we had saw we could know how bad the joker could be say from the comics you know what he did to uh robin oh was it was it tim drake i think it was tim drake's robin that that goes on to become red hood you know he we see how the sheer brutality and what he would do to people in the show, but it was a kid version we were seeing. So to see him like actualize, because you know, you had uh, oh Jack Nicholson mm-hmm. it, that he did Joker, and it was still kind of funny. It was that very campy kind of feel, but this Joker felt like he scared me because I felt like he was something that was real, but also something almost like a ghost. You know, when you're, like, what scares me the most about ghosts is the fact I'm like, oh, they can get me, but I can't do anything about it. That's the kind of feeling he gives me. The Joker is so interesting because remember he says to Harvey Dent, he's like, do I look like a man with a plan? I'm like a dog chasing, you know, a car. I wouldn't know what to do if I actually got it. But it's like, he was a planner. The entire opening scene to that movie was a plan. He planned to tell every person to kill the other person where then it just ended up being him to show what people would be willing to do for money. And he planned that whole thing in getting the money at the end. And then he burned it, you know, and it's like he planned a lot, you know, and I think he banked on people. Um, He's just it was just so good, like remember his introduction when he walks into the room with the gangsters and he's like oh i thought my jokes are bad and he's like i'm going to make this pencil disappear i still can't watch that scene like to this day i have to look away when he like slams the guy into it and he's like ta-da and it's like oh can we talk about being a kid again uh (laughs) and not quite getting it because when did the dark knight come out like I'm trying to think. You said you were 22 when The Dark Knight Rises Rises. came out. So it had to be like two or three years before that, right? I think like 2008. Okay, so... Yeah, 2008. So 2008. So I was 18. So I would have been like 14, right? Mm -hmm. Because are you four years older than me? Yeah. Okay, I was like 14 and when I saw the pencil scene, I was like I legitimately, (laughs) I shit you not... I was like, where did the pencil go? And <laughs> it's, it's so good. And I went, oh, 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 like I just did not get, because in my head, I won't, I, I'm not shitting with you for a second. I thought it went through the freaking table and I was like, that's a lot of force. Is that a force that I can oh throw go through the table? 
<laughs> I didn't think it was, it was a Batman. I didn't realize it was going to be this kind of Batman because I didn't watch the one with uh, Raja Ghoul. I saw to see this one, and when it was my first true Batman, I was like, oh, it's going to be like the shows. It wasn't like the shows, Tia. It wasn't, it wasn't like, like the, the shows. Yeah, the Joker is a very scary individual for the reason that he's just so chaotic. You never know what he's doing. I mean, it's everything feels like it's walking on eggshells, you know? Uh, and the scene, especially when he crashes, like, Bruce Wayne's party, and he's kind of just walking around, and you're like, what's he going to do? He has guns. Is he going to start shooting? You know, what's he doing? And I will say, like, one of my favorite scenes in that movie is when he's, like, holding out Rachel, and Batman's like, let go of her, and he's like, very poor wording, and he lets go of her as she's falling down. I'm like, yeah, Bruce, that actually was incredibly poor wording there. Yeah, it's the Joker. (laughs) But he, you know, he bombs hospitals. Um, One scene that I remember in the movie is him saying that, you know, uh, oh, the whole thing with the hospitals, right? That, you know, he told the uh the civilians that they had to kill this one guy and for every hour that he's not dead he's going to kill you know he's going to bomb a hospital and it's like to get that fear into people where they're suddenly then you know maybe a normal person wouldn't kill a person right but they're thinking to themselves my kids in the hospital my mother's in the hospital my spouse is in the hospital and we don't know what hospital it's going to be targeted so if it is between this random dude and my loved one, I'm going to fucking kill this guy, you know? And it's like, that's what the Joker banked on. He banked on people doing shit like that. Uh, and I know he's like, oh, it's chaos. It's the sense of humanity. And I'm like, so they're really humanity. You're just like, I want to take care of my family and a bunch of people. And you know what I mean? It's like, that's really fucked up. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I loved Heath Ledger's Joker. I will forever be like, that's my Joker. Even though Joaquin Phoenix did a really phenomenal job as the Joker. And I think almost just as good as Heath Ledger's, but I still always think of Heath Ledger's Joker as my favorite. I will always be sad that Heath Ledger is not around. Uh, to have continued the character and obviously to have continued living uh, his own life. But yeah, so the Joker in The Dark Knight was just so good. Very, very scary. Um, We're down to the number one on our top ten list, scariest characters in movies and TV shows. Let's go through the list before we get to number one. Uh, So so the number ten is Jigsaw. Then we have Pennywise, Buffalo Bill, Gareth, Negan, Wilson Fisk, The Punisher, Bane, Joker, and for my number one, I will say my honorable mention first. I was going to put Homelander, but... Oh my god, that would have been good. But I cannot say that he is scarier than this guy right here. And that's going to be Ramsey Bolton from Game of Thrones. Oh my (laughs) god, that's a good one. Oh... It's I, worse when they're human. It's worse than when they're, when they're human. Ramsey Bolton, to me, is one of, first of all, one of the best villains in any TV show ever. <laughs> um, Freaking, oh my god, so scary, because it's like, alright, if you watch Game of Thrones, you know, uh, Ramsey Bolton gets introduced, I forgot when he gets introduced, he 
surprisingly gets introduced pretty early. I want to say either in this second, if it wasn't the second season, it was like very early third season, right? And I haven't watched his episodes because he terrifies me so much. I can only bear to watch like clips like here and there. He's so scary because he's such a freaking like sociopath because when you first meet him, you think he's like good because it's this whole thing where Theon is in a really tricky like situation and Ramsey is helping him out, but he really just helped him to then be lured into a trap of his own because he finds he finds torturing Theon so entertaining to the point where not only does he castrate Theon, but then he literally psychologically breaks Theon down where Theon is literally a like pet to him does his bidding and he doesn't even have a name anymore. Like, Ramsey calls him Reek and to the point where Theon is like my name's not Theon I'm Reek I'm Reek I'm Reek you know and it's like because Ramsey has fucked him up so badly and it's not like Theon is making this shit up just to survive Ramsey's torture he really believes this because there's at some point where Theon's sister comes to save him and Theon literally freaks out because you know someone's taking him from his master and it's like holy shit So not only that, then, so when you first meet Ramsey, he has, like, a girlfriend or, like, a lover or whatever, and then another lover, and him and his, like, lover literally chase the other lover down through a forest with arrows and the dogs, and then watch, like, her getting torn apart by his dogs. Because that's the thing, he starves his dogs so that he can then sick them upon people so that they can eat them. But... I haven't even gotten to the most fucked up part. Not only does he... Wait, 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 there's more. But wait, there's more. Not only does he kill his stepmother and his newborn baby brother, um, but he also... The whole thing about Ramsey Bolton and House Bolton, because this is a thing with their house, you know, it's Game of Thrones, so it's during that time, right? And every house has you know, a flag. Guess what the Bolton's flags is? A upside down burning flayed man. And Ramsey Bolton absolutely uh, excels in flaying people alive and burning them. And it's like, that is the most terrifying thing I've ever like heard in my life. I guess it do be like that sometimes. (laughs) Holy shit. Ramsey is so terrifying. He ends up killing John Snow, like one of John Snow's brothers. That's another thing. He like makes one of the youngest brothers like run towards John, and he just like you know shoots arrows towards him, and it gets closer and closer each time until he finally like kills the kid. Like he's so fucked up, and he then forces uh, Sansa to marry him, and then you know ends up doing really horrible things to her. So yeah. it's a really fucked up situation. Ramsey is a very bad person. I still love what the hound said to Sansa and what she said back about how he was like, you know, it's like if you would have just come with me and that wouldn't have happened to you. And I'm just like, he just actually didn't want to take her away from all of that. Ugh. She, He did. The hound definitely like generally wanted to take Sansa away from all this crazy crap, but 
you know, she then went on her own journey. I will say, like, Ramsey is by far one of the scariest, like, dudes ever. He's was the best villain in Game of Thrones. Like, not even Joffrey, and Joffrey was a fucking piece of shit, could top Ramsey just because of how, like, gleefully, like, sick and evil. That's one thing. Ramsey was evil to the core. Um, oh, definitely. But what was I going to say? He, um, he definitely got his at the end. Because Sans, when finally the Battle of the Bastards, which is, you know, the best battle in all of Game of Thrones, um, what you calls it, when the Battle of the Bastard ends, when they finally defeat Ramsay, um, Sansa literally, like, six uh, Ramsay's own dogs against him. I know, that was the best part. I was like, that's very... Um... Very uh, poetic, yes, poetic justice. Very poetic justice. Um, I was like, you know what? I really, like, love this character as a villain, right? But it's the best end for him just to get his own. Like, oh, you love to starve your dogs and have them eat people? Well, there you go, buddy. Have the same. There you go. (laughs) There you go. Have the same no, that whole, like, when you were like, Brittany, I'm watching this thing, I was like, yeah, Brittany's awful, and you're like, no, 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 it's so much different when you watch it, and you, like, show me clips, I was like, fuck this shit, I'm out, and, like, I did not want anything to do with that, and I was like, oh my god, it's like, I was like, I can listen about it, and I could, I could definitely get a feel for the character, I do not want to see him feeding people <laughs> to his dogs. You know how, um, with, say, a show like Supernatural, if you're in the fandom, there's always the uh, lines within the show that are just, like, so ingrained in, like, you as the fans and everything. That's how it was. Yes. That's how it was as a Game of Thrones fans. It's, like, everyone would refer to this one quote that Ramsey always said. He's, like, if you think this story has a happy ending you haven't been paying attention and it's like Ugh. and it's like everyone thought that that was say a nod to how the show would actually end granted when he said that back in the day we thought it just meant that it was going to be really sad we didn't know that it was actually going to be an actual bad ri- badly written end <laughs> you know we we weren't aware of that at the time but yeah what gets me the most it's like i was reading a thing on reddit that was like so we're just gonna talk about the biggest villain of the entire series the whole thing leading up with the what are they call the white walkers mm-hmm. and all the things they're doing and the night king and you're gonna say we're just gonna have Arya j- jump up and just give a little stabberoni with a dagger and it's just over it's just over like that and yeah. no, nobody ever explains the ice babies nobody explains how he actually truly came to be, what what his story was before this point, what truly made him actually become this? Are we just not going to discuss it? I could go on and on about all the things that they fucked up with in that last season, like how Jon Snow was the one who was prophesized to kill the Ice King, Arya becoming a faceless man, essentially, and learning that skill really had nothing to do with anything at all. Um it was prophesized that the youngest Lannister would kill the oldest Lannister. That didn't happen. 
um, you know, just so many fucking things that were supposed to happen that should have happened and didn't happen. And it's like, what? Like, the only thing, the only thing that seemingly paid off was Sansa did always say, I will be queen one day, right? And you always just thought it meant, you know, because in the beginning it was her wanting to marry Joffrey, you know, because she wanted to be queen, right? And then at the end of the show, you know, she becomes queen of the North. And it's like, okay, Sansa, I guess, did actually get what she wanted. But it's like, but no one else did. I didn't as the audience. I didn't. (laughs) I didn't. (laughs) So, yeah. Man, am I rewrite? The hound doesn't die. Uh, if if Jamie goes out, he goes out a much different way. He kills I, the sister. I would have been okay if, like, you know, they could have kept everything in that. Like, say, Jamie getting crushed by the rocks, which was fucking stupid. But you could have had that if it was, like, he goes, he runs, and the buildings collapse. And he's like, I'm still going to kill Cersei. And he kills Cersei but he doesn't have enough time to get out. It's like, at least he killed Cersei. You know, it's like, you could have kept pretty much everything about that scene and just changed one little thing. I just want to know what, um, I'm trying to remember his name right off of George R. R. Martin. Yeah. I must say, oh yeah, he, uh, I always get names wrong. I'm the world sorts with names, but, uh, I wonder what he would have thought, like, what he thought of that. Sorry, George R.R. R. Martin, I believe. Yeah. But I wonder what he thought of this entire thing. Like, if he approved or was like, this is shit. What have you done? Oh, no, he hates it. There there was a, he's been very vocal about it. And there was an article even recently where he assures fans that his ending to the books will not be the same as the ending with the show. Thank God. Yeah, no, he's very vocal about how disappointed he was um, with the show once it stopped, like, following the books. So, but it's like, George, uh, hello, George, uh, hurry up and do the fucking books then. None of us are getting any younger. None of us are getting younger. (laughs) So, (laughs) what are you waiting for? But anyway, (laughs) everyone, uh, Brittany, did you have any honorable mentions before we wrap up tonight? I have the Beast from Split. Oh yeah, very scary. Yeah, like the way he gets all like, "Ooh, I do not like." Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else. Freddy Krueger is pretty scary, yeah, but he didn't make the list. Uh, I'm trying to think who. Um, I don't know. I don't know anybody else. Well, I I was gonna put Homelander down. Um. And then I was going and then I was gonna put Rob Novak from Sleepless because he was scared. Oh yeah! Oh my goodness, that's a good one. That movie, I gotta rewatch that movie. You have to; it's really good. Um, but yeah, everyone, that is our list of the top ten scariest characters in TV and movies. Um, please let us know who you thought was a terrifying character and if you agree with our list. But Brittany, before I let you go tonight, why don't you let everyone know where they can find you, what you got going on next? 
going to say, you can always find me on Twitch at Itty Bitty Brit. Um, I will be taking a week off from streaming, kind of more of a week and a half. But after that, I will be back to a normal schedule. I always say that. It's never returned back to a normal schedule. <laughs> I live a very busy, hectic the life. But uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Itty Bitty Brit Zero. And... Um, I don't know what else I was going to say I've been doing. The only other thing I've been doing is I've been trying my hardest to 3D print these dice that keep failing. Who would have known that printing dice would be so difficult? <laughs> but that's about what I got going on in my life. Absolutely, absolutely, everyone. Please make sure that you support Brittany. She is an amazing entertainer. Um, and she's a hell of a lot of fun. So make sure you check her out. Uh, as for me, you know, I'm always here, geekfivesnation.com. It links to all of our social media sites. Um, if you are not subscribed to our YouTube channel, Geek Vibes Podcast, please make sure that you are. And if you want to follow me on my personal accounts, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at TC underscore Stark. Really appreciate it. I uh, love everyone's support here. And, yeah, till next time, guys. Bye. Bye, guys. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc